We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I will be your host for today. Joining me back again after being away for a little while is my co-host, Paul. Uh, Paul is joining us again today. Maggie, not with us today. She, uh, as many of you probably know, uh, before we went into draft mode, she got married, and she is now on her honeymoon this week uh, with her husband, so she is not here tonight with us, but she will be back again in two weeks, and we're glad to have Paul back with us today. And Paul, are you looking to buy a house anytime soon? Maybe you own one, I don't know, but are you, are you in the market for a house at all or not? Um, currently at the moment, no, actually just bought our first house about two months ago. So, okay. no, not at the moment. Oh, well, okay. Well, it, you know, it's, it's maybe too bad. I wish I was in the market for a house. Um, we like to start off the podcast with some any Packers news. Well, there's not a whole lot going on right now, but, uh, something interesting Paul and I found, um, Vince Lombardi's first house that he ever owned in Green Bay is currently up for sale. So if you're in the market for a house and have uh, about $600,000 laying around, um, you can you can go buy Vince Lombardi's very first home that he owned in Green Bay. I, I'm just looking at the article here. It's uh, about 4,400 square feet. 
and sits on a double lot half a mile from the Fox River. Four bedrooms, three bathrooms. The exact listing price is $599,900. So if you're interested in something like that and got that kind of money, go for it. Uh, so some kind of fun. Uh, you know, I've... I've lived in Green Bay for two years now, and I've never even th- once thought of, you know, just even driving by to see what the house looks like. But uh, I don't know, something kind of cool. I mean, I mean, let, let, let's start with this, Paul. I mean, realistically, like if you had the money, is that something you do, or is that just kind of weird? <laughs> um, you know, in buying a house, it would be more so the fit, and you know, do I like it and all that stuff. Of course. I mean, that's a heck of a conversation starter, right? You have guests over and go, oh, this is where Vince Lombardi used to live, but. At least for me, anyways, it'd be more so in do I like it rather than, you know, Vince Lombardi had lived here. And I was going to ask you, I hadn't seen the pictures of it yet. Is it 600000 because of the house, or do you think a little bit of this added on because of Vince Lombardi? Well, you know, it, it's really interesting because I, I'm just kind of looking through the pictures. It looks like a nice house, and it looks like a house that, you know, maybe uh, – now, granted, I guess, you know – housing markets are different depending on where you live. Um, but I mean, I would guess that this is maybe, a. I just, I don't, I, I guess I don't have enough knowledge of, you know, housing markets to know, but it looks like a fairly nice house. I figured due to the fact that Vince Lombardi lived in it at one point that maybe it would be a little bit more, but I guess here's here's what I have to say. I don't know if I'd pay six hundred thousand dollars for this house, but it is a very nice house. I would say it's probably at minimum, if nothing else, probably a three to four hundred thousand dollar house. It looks very nice, but um, I guess I, I guess I don't know. And maybe maybe houses of famous people just aren't as valuable as other things of famous people. I, I, I don't know, but um, it looks like a very nice house. Something that I think would be you, you, if you could afford it it would be worth living in so um but that's not why we're here we're not here to talk about vince lombardi's first house um we are here to talk about the packers and everything packers and so paul we were talking before the show before uh the show started here kind of it, we're in that part of the year where you know we're kind of a, a little bit in limbo of news there's you know as of right now the packers have signed all of their draft picks but one Jay Sternberger is the only one currently who doesn't have a contract not necessarily sure why that is right now I'm sure it's nothing too major but you know and then Camps are still, you know, another week away or so, and so we're just kind of in that limbo time. But uh, something that you and I had talked about, we'd seen this. This was kind of going around Twitter uh, the last couple of weeks, and I know Paul, you did one. Um, but uh, basically, you take your team and you run through your team's roster. You have a most overrated player, a most underrated player, a best player, key new addition, a could surprise player, a takes a leap player, and a prove it year for a specific player so we figured we would just run through that list here and give you our players for each of these categories so Paul without any further ado let's jump into it who is your most overrated player right now on the Packers well when I posted this on Twitter on Twitter after I wrote the the player's name down I said yeah I said it because it's Jake Kumro Um, he was a very nice story from last year um, you know, he'll be fighting for a roster spot this year once again. 
Uh, if we look at receivers, we've got Devontae, Geronimo, EQ, MBS, Jamon. So we assume that those five are going to be safe. Last year, they kept seven receivers. This year, they might do the same, might knock it down to six. So he's going to be that fringe player. Um, and while he flashed his big play potential in the preseason, um, we saw it against the Jets as well. Aaron Rodgers gave him some high praise. Um, and maybe it's because he's from UW-Whitewater. I'm sure that helps build the, the folklore that is Jake Kumro. But he's even if he makes the roster, he's never going to be that number two, number three option on the team. He's going to be there for depth. And so that's why he's on here as my most overrated. Maybe it's just because of what you see on social media constantly. But I feel like he's just never going to be that player that a lot of people think he can be. Yeah, and you know, it, I, when I when I saw that you had Jake Kumaro, I I love Jake Kumaro, and I want the best for him. <laughs> uh, and so I I have a little different of a view on him. Not necessarily that I think he's overrated, but more overhyped. Because I mean, last year he only had eleven targets, eight receptions. I guess for me, he just hasn't like played enough for him to be overrated in my mind. Overhyped, absolutely. I I would agree with that. But I I just I don't. Think I think for me personally, there's not enough data out there on him, but I would certainly agree. I I think he, I I mean, as much as I want him to make the roster, like I would not be in any way surprised if he doesn't make the 53-man roster coming into this year. So I would agree with you there, yes. Yeah, and I mean, the perspective that you're taking at it makes a lot of sense. I guess I looked at it as from what I see and where people hold him at, I don't see him ever being able to make it to that point as, like I said, a two or three receiver on the team. So a little different perspectives, but I, I agree with what you're saying as well. We also haven't seen enough of him yet. Right. And so my most overrated player I have, and th- this was hard for me to do uh, for an overrated player, mostly because I feel like the Packers are in a, in an odd situation with their roster, which is you have clear cut players on the team who, you know, are good, who, you know, are producing, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, David Bakhtiari, players of that caliber. And then you have a lot lot of young players who are, you know, there they're almost there isn't a whole lot of data when you, or they haven't been on the team long enough. You know, you have the the four free agents from that they signed this offseason, which, you know, you could make judgments based on their past teams. But as far as Packers, you have no idea. And you've got a lot of young, you know, players, you know, from the draft from this year and last year. So this was kind of difficult for me, but I went with Mike Daniels. Um, And the reason why I went with Mike Daniels is because he's had a hard time staying healthy the last couple of years. And, you know, he, he only started nine games this past season played in 10 and he only had uh, he only had 18 tackles he had two sacks you know he didn't for where people kind of hold him I think that Kenny Clark is is much better than he is right now it seems like the Packers are kind of in this mode of unless Mike Daniels really proves something this year that their plan is to kind of move forward with Kenny Clark and even Montrevious Adams um so I I went with Mike Daniels. He's a good player. I just don't think he's at the level where maybe he thinks he's at and where some other people think that he is at. Um, any thoughts on that, Paul? Any any disagreements there? No, I actually I, I agree with that. And, the, you know, this is going to be a big year for him. He's in the last year of his contract. I think it's, you know, four years, $40 million. So he's getting paid pretty well. And as you said, Kenny Clark's kind of taken over as a playmaker. 
You got Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, who can kick inside now. Um, Kingsley Kiki in the fifth round is expected to get some time this year. So he's going to have to step up this year and get back to the play that he was a few years ago and see the production. I know he takes a lot of double teams, which frees up other people, and he's not always going to show through in the stat sheet. But with the depth that they have there at the interior line, it's uh, going to be a big season for him to see if he sticks around in the future. Absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to the next slot here. So most underrated player. Paul, who did you have as your most underrated player for the Packers right now? Um, for this posi- or this category, I have Brian Bulaga, uh, right tackle. He's criticized heavily for his injuries, and to some extent that's fair. He's only played in 16 games twice in his entire career, but I think it's a little bit exaggerated anyways. He played 14 last year, only 5 in 2017 with his ACL, 16 games in 2016, 12 in 2015, 15 in 2014. Um, so there is the time that's missed there, and, you know, it, it sucks. It's a simple way to put it. But when he's on the field, he's a heck of a player at a premier position. You're not going to go find a Brian Bulaga in free agency, but, you know, a top-tier tackle. They're just not available because they're important. Teams need them. They don't let them hit the open market. And that's part of the reason why I wanted them to spend a first or second-round pick on the tackle position is because we didn't really have his – replacement on the roster this is the last year of his contract as well um but like i said when he's on the field um he's very good in pass protection he's always rated very well by pro football focus which this team needs and he's just a tough son of a gun um last year he tore his mcl he was back in two weeks those were the two weeks that he missed he's playing through injuries all the time like i said at a premier position protecting Aaron Rodgers so he's my most underrated and you know and I would agree that I think he is very underrated last week uh Owen and Jacob and I we talked about the offensive line depth and uh, you know, one of the things that Owen brought up is that, you know, an offensive lineman can play 78 snaps in a game. And if he gives up one sack, right, you look at the stat sheet and all of a sudden it's, you know, oh, he's a bum, you know, or, you know, and whatnot. And so a lot of the times you don't want to hear your offensive lineman's name called usually because usually means they've done something wrong. But, uh, you know, you talk about protecting Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy. He's great. And mm-hmm. I, I was just watching some highlights earlier this week of, of the Packers season from last year. And it's amazing how often Aaron was running in the pocket, like not, you know, and, and when you have got a quarterback that is running for his life, what it seems seems like all of the time, you know, that means you need to shore up the offensive line. And sure, injuries are, are an issue, I, I would agree. Everybody's got injuries, though. But when he's healthy, I think he's really good. So I, I would agree there. I went a little different route. I went with Geronimo Allison. And the reason why I went with Allison is because one of the things that that really showed through to me last year was very obvious i knew it before last year but it was just almost solidified is that the biggest thing that aaron rodgers wants with his receivers is does he trust you you can have all the talent in the world but if aaron rodgers doesn't trust that you're going to be where he's going to put the ball he doesn't care he's not throwing you the football and that became very obvious last year and a lot of that was to 
you know, doing with, um, you know, Aaron was working on getting reps with Jimmy Graham. They didn't, you know, they hadn't played together before. That could have been part of the reason as to why Jimmy Graham's production wasn't as great. And then you had the, you know, you you had EQ and MVS who, you know, they showed flashes of brilliance, but again, you know, haven't played with Aaron Rodgers that much. They're rookies and, you know, building that trust. And even with Jake Kumaro um, and, and Jamon Moore, and it really showed that he he is big on trust. And one of the things that has really shown to me is that I feel like Aaron Rodgers really trusts Geronimo Allison. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, because when he went down, I think it was in the Bills game that he got injured and Randall Cobb was out. I mean, the offense through the first couple of weeks looked functional and then when Cobb and Allison both went out and it was Devonte and the rookies now again some of that is well yeah it's Devonte and rookies but there's there's a big gap between that and for you know for Allison being the type of player that he is I believe he was undrafted is that correct or yeah, and uh, yeah and and so being undrafted to that kind of quickly when he's on the field he seems like a viable target for Aaron Rodgers so I, I think he's more under undervalued than people give him credit for uh, absolutely um, and for the writing that I do for Dairyland Express anytime we get on the topic of receiver Geronimo Allison I, I was initially shocked at how many comments you get that said cut Allison I didn't realize how many people had felt that way and you talk about trusting him just think back to that week one throw in the corner of the end zone that they made against the Bears Absolutely. Perfect throw, perfect spot. Um, you don't make that throw if you don't trust the guy that you're going to throw it to. And before he got injured through four weeks, I believe it was week five he got injured, through four weeks last year, he led the team in receiving yards. So he was a big target for Rodgers that was greatly missed, as we saw. Absolutely. All right, so the next category here is best player. Now, Paul and I, we decided to go a little bit of a different route because – we can all agree that the best player on the roster is Aaron Rodgers. That we don't need to we don't need to go through that. So instead of us both telling you that Aaron Rodgers is the best player on the team and you as the listener going, "Well, duh." Uh we decided to exclude Aaron Rodgers from the conversation and go with the next best player on the roster. So Paul, after Aaron Rodgers, who is your best player on this roster? Uh my player is Devontae Adams. Um, we all know about the production that he put up last year, 111 receptions, just under 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, um, averaged over 92 yards a game. And his ability as a route runner and to get open is phenomenal. It's really what separates him um, as a receiver. I mean, look at the offense last year. The, the attempts for the running backs were inconsistent and unreliable. We didn't know when Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams were going to get the ball. Um, as you said, Cobb went down, Allison went down. So it was Devontae Adams, a hurt Jimmy Graham, and some rookie wide receivers. The defense, if they wanted to slow this team down, they had to stop Devontae Adams, and they still couldn't do it. Um, I think he's going to have even you know a similar year this year. And um, just really impressed with what he did last year. 
Yeah, and, and you think of the long way that he has come from his second season, which was atrocious. And I mean, I, I, I will admit, I was one of the people thinking, man, if he doesn't get any better, like he's not going to make the team come his third year. Like they're just going to outright cut him. And I'm looking at this right now. I mean, and again, we, we've talked about this, and some of this I'm sure was due to the fact that it was Devontae Adams and then a bunch of kind of nothing after that. But he had 169 targets last year from Aaron Rodgers the next closest Jimmy Graham with 89 had almost double the targets that that the next leading receiver on the team and and then you look at his receptions he had 111 the next closest again Jimmy Graham with 55 he more than doubled Jimmy Graham's receptions who was second on the team so um, yes, I, I think that's a that's a fairly. Um, I think a lot of fans would agree with that. I, I went just a little bit different again here. I went with David Bakhtiari, and again, it's yeah. mostly due to you know you talk about Aaron Rodgers and protecting him. You know, it's not it's not flashy. It's you know it's not sexy. You don't ever want to hear your offensive lineman like we said. But I think it's so important. He protects that 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 backside of Aaron Rodgers, and he is one of the best in the league at his position. And you just, again, you talk about protecting Aaron. He's so good at it. I, 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 so I just have to go with him as the, you know, the guy that is keeping Aaron Rodgers' blindside clean, hopefully more often than not. Uh, that's where I went with, 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 with my second best player on the team. Yeah, I agree. I, and I really love that pick. All right. So, Moving on from best player, this is kind of fun here. So, key new addition to the team. Paul, who did you have as your key new addition? I selected Adrian Amos um, just because of what he's done as a player. He's grown every year, he's gotten the league, but really solidifying the back end of that Packers secondary in the safety position. Let's look back to the safety position in 2018. Haha, Clinton Dix traded, Jermaine Whitehead cut. Raven Green, Ibrahim Campbell to the IR. Kentrell Bryce, now in Tampa Bay, just not very good in coverage, poor ball skills. Josh Jones, um, you know, same thing, not very good in coverage either. The safety position in the back end of the secondary was kind of a mess last year. And Gutekunst in his time as general manager has done a good job of revamping the cornerback position. So now it's time to help out the back end with the secondary. The reason I love Amos, like I say, he's gotten better every year and the versatility that he brings. He can line up all over the field, not just a box defender. He led all safeties last year in coverage snaps. So he's very good in coverage, and Mike Pettin's going to love shifting him around, lining him up on different players, um, just doing different things with him to disguise what the defense is doing. Um, can cover tight ends, slot receivers, all that good stuff. So I think that the back end of that secondary, having him there, and he hasn't made you know the big splash plays in his career, but he's going to be in the right position and where you want him to be and doing his job correctly. Now, okay, so this is where you and I thought along the same lines here. So I picked Amos or Darnell Savage. Take yeah. your pick for so many of the reasons that you just listed. I mean, the safety position, I think, by far was the absolute worst position on this team last year. You mentioned Kentrell Bryce, no longer part of the team. I believe he was a day one starter. Mm-hmm. Um, ha-ha, Clinton Dix. Now, think th- think of this, because this, this blew my mind when I looked this up a few months ago. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix led the team in interceptions for defensive backs. He was traded halfway through the season. (laughs) 
and 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 people didn't want him around and right. and then they tried to fill the position later with injuries with a cornerback in Tremont Williams and granted he's played the position before but he's aging and it didn't work out that well and then you have second round draft pick uh, Josh Jones who I, I mean I I love the guy and I want I so badly want him to break out but he just hasn't shown that he can at least play the safety position you know maybe right. he can play that hybrid linebacker safety position, but he hasn't shown any capability to play coverage. And so it's really just take your pick because it w- the position was so awful last year that there is no way... I, I would be I would be absolutely shocked. I mean, I I firmly believe Amos will be a starter day one. I would be absolutely shocked if Darnell Savage was not starting opposite him week one against the Bears. I'd be absolutely blown away just because of how bad that position was. So take your pick, Amos or Savage. Doesn't really matter to me uh, because that position was so bad. Um all right, so we'll move on now here. So your could surprise player of this year, who who, who do you have? Um, I took Jimmy Graham, and it was a little bit of a leap of faith, and I'm going to put that faith in Matt LaFleur and his system. Um, you know, tight end position has been one that's been a mystery for this Packers team. I haven't really spent high draft picks on it, um, struggled to find that person in free agency. And while Graham was, you know, he was underwhelming, wasn't the red zone target that everyone hoped he would be. His season wasn't horrendous. I mean, he fought through the thumb injury, but brought in 55 receptions for 636 yards and 11.6 yards per catch, both of which were more than what he did in Seattle the year before. Um, Like I said, in Matt LaFleur's system, that offense is predicated on getting the players open with the scheme rather than winning the one-on-one matchups. Um, So it's going to make Graham's job easier. It's going to make everyone in that offense's job easier, which at this point in his career is helpful for him considering he's just not the same athlete that he once was. I mean, if we look back to Tennessee last year, and I know Delaney Walker is out, but Luke Stocker and I don't know if I'm butchering this, but Janu Smith, they both averaged 11 and 12.9 yards per catch respectively, way more than what they have ever done in their career under Matt LaFleur's system. So I think that Graham can be much more effective this year. I'm hoping to see him out more wide in that receiver role when he's really at his best and maybe not as much as a blocker as he was last year. But I'm going to take a flyer on Graham and Matt LaFleur's offense and think that he has a bounce back year. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm looking at his stats here. It's it's almost kind of hard to believe, but – he right. was the second he was the second leading receiver in almost every receiving category last year on the team behind Devonte Adams so th- this idea that people you know i i know we all were hoping for and expecting more from him but i mean the the reality is he still produced last year just not necessarily at the numbers we were kind of all hoping for but um i'm going to stick in the tight end room here but go a different direction i'm going to say jay sternberger and the reason why is is because I'm looking at, you know, Jimmy Graham. I'm hoping that he can play really well this year, but he's kind of a question mark right now. And you look at Mercedes Lewis, they brought him back, but Mercedes Lewis isn't there necessarily as a receiving tight end. He's there to block. And then you have Robert Tanyan, who, again, I'm, I'm hoping for the best from him because I really don't care which players necessarily produce. I just want the players to produce. So if he can take off, great. But again, you know, still kind of a question mark. 
And Sternberger, they invested a third-round draft pick in him, um, which is pretty high. He was, you know, a highly rated tight end coming into the draft. And I'm, I'm in no way making a comparison here, but the last time the Packers uh, took a tight end in the third round, it worked out pretty well with your Michael Finley. Um, so... Uh, so I think he could surprise this year. I think he could very easily get quite a few snaps um, at the tight end position, especially if Jimmy Graham gets hurt, because I don't think, I think if Jimmy Graham were to get hurt and miss some time, I don't think they're going to throw Mercedes Lewis in as the starting tight end again for the reasons that he's not really there as a receiver. He's more there as a blocking tight end. So I really think if given the right opportunity, I think Sternberger could really uh, could really contribute a, a, a lot um, in his in his rookie season. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and for a lot of the reasons that you said, even if Graham doesn't get injured, I'm still expecting a lot of snaps from him. Like you said, Lewis is a blocker. Tanyan, you know, he's he's still raw. His skill sets, he's still got a lot of development that needs to take place. And Sternberger, I think, will be a weapon in the red zone and in the passing game almost right away. All right. Well, so now we got two categories left here, so we'll wrap this up real quick here. Okay, so takes a leap. Who is your player that is going to take a leap this year for the Packers? I'm going with Josh Jackson. I had a rough rookie year at cornerback, um, struggled in man coverage. He led the team with eight penalties, and oftentimes that was because he was beat off the line or didn't trust that he was going to get to the right position and he would get grabby and pass interference or defensive holding penalties would get the best of them. But it's a big transition, you know, going from cornerback in college at Iowa to um, the NFL. And in college, he played mostly zone. But his last year there, he had eight interceptions, two touchdowns. So we know he has the playmaking ability. And if he can make that that year one to year two jump that we see a lot of the, the good players make, um, that's really going to help this Packers secondary. They've struggled to get turnovers the last few years. And I hope that he gets a little more opportunity in zone coverage just because we know that's where he excels. So put him in position to succeed, but he's still going to have to develop the man coverage role as well. But I'm hoping to see a big leap from Josh Jackson and I'm expecting one, honestly. Yeah, I, I think I think he'll make that jump, and in, in a lot of ways, I really hope that he does, um, because if he can make that jump, and if Kevin King can stay healthy, and Jair Alexander can stay healthy, that's three really good stud corners right there. Um, I kind of went with, I feel like, what is kind of... Um, a trendy pick. I said Equinemius St. Brown. Um, he was somebody that, you know, last year was to start the season almost invisible, but it seemed as, as the year went on, you know, he just, it seemed like Aaron trusted him more and more. And that's part of the reason why I have him on this list is because obviously, uh, with your two starters day one, we know Adams is going to be the one. I would presume that unless something really weird happens, that Allison will be the two day one. But then you've got to realize that your number three receiver come opening night against the Bears is more than likely going to be Valdez Scantling or Equinemia St. Brown. That's what I would 
uh, that's what I would expect. And so uh, it's kind of like last year again, where these rookies are being forced into the role saying, you know, look, there's, there's no one else. We've spent draft picks on you. You, we feel like you have the raw ability and talent to do so. Um, and, you know, I really felt that at the end of the year, um, it was almost like a tale of two seasons with Valdez Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown. I felt when they were both thrust into the role with the Lions game in week five or six, you know, it was Valdez Scantling for the first four or five games. He kept showing up, kept making plays, and then it's almost like he disappeared and then near the end of the year, Equinemius St. Brown was the one picking it up. He had the big couple big plays against the Jets, um, you know. And so I, I think he's six five. He's you know he runs a what a four four I believe four mm-hmm. three four four somewhere in that range. Um, and I I think he's got all of the talent and ability and skill to do it. It's just does Aaron Rodgers trust him, and can he get that rapport down with Aaron? Yeah, I agree. This was this was one of the more fun questions to answer just because I felt like there's so many options. Josh Jackson, EQ, MVS. I mean, even Aaron Jones, we know how good he can be, but let's see the numbers and, you know, production he can put up when he gets the right amount of opportunities. Absolutely. And and uh, I, Paul, I I don't think you've been around with me long enough, but uh <laughs> Aaron Jones, I we're not going to get started because I'm sure listeners don't want to hear me ramble on about Aaron Jones, but let's just say he was underutilized, and we'll leave it at that. Um, so, all right, so last one before we wrap up here, prove it year. Who is your prove it year player? For me, it's Kevin King, um, and it really just comes down to health. His first two seasons, he's played a total of 15 games, um, nine in the first year and six in the second year, I believe, or vice versa. Um, and we saw him when he was on the field. He's a very solid player. We saw him developmentally, developmentally improve from year one to year two. But as they say, you're only you know you're only as good as your availability. And so if he has a third season in a row where he say he plays in eight games or something, um, I think it. I just don't know where it's going to go from him from there. Probably not going to be a Packer much longer. Um, so he's got to stay on the field this year. Yeah, and you know, w- w- when I saw this come in, it it, it, it really – it really saddens me because when when he is on the field, I feel like he is a great player for this team. Yeah. And, but you, but one of the things the they say the best ability uh, uh, the the best ability is availability. Yes. And if you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're never healthy, if you're never on the field, it it it's worthless. So this one's really hard for me. I really agree because I think he's I think he's a great player. But you nailed it on the head. You know if he if he can't be on the field what do you do with them um so so my prove it prove it your player I kind of cheated with this a little bit uh because he was already on the list as my most underrated player I have it as Geronimo Allison um and the reason why I have him as a prove it your player is because um they they have these three rookie wide receivers behind Adams and Allison, and I think there's a lot of hope for them. I, I, you know, MVS and EQ both showed a lot of potential last year, and Geronimo Allison, I think what hurts him is he doesn't have... Like, he has big plays, but it doesn't ever feel like he makes big plays. He just makes... 
he's it's almost like a possession receiver is kind of how I look at him. He's a reliable target, you know, to to get you what you want. But, you know, being an undrafted free agent and again, one of his big things like Kevin King is he's had a hard time staying healthy. Um, And so the reason why I have him as a prove it year is because I feel if he doesn't perform very well and these receivers behind him, these rookies that they've drafted, if they really show a lot of potential, I feel like you're going to go with the younger, faster players on the roster instead of him. But again, I think what he's got a lot going for him. Aaron Rodgers really seems to trust him, um, especially it, it, it seems, you know, we talked about that, that throw to the corner of the end zone against the Bears. You don't make that throw if you don't trust him. But I, I think he's got a little bit more proving to do if he really wants to solidify himself as the number two or even potentially number three receiver on this roster. Yeah, I agree, and that makes a lot of sense. And I just want to throw in Josh Jones as our honorable mention. <laughs> uh, you know, with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage taking over at safety, he's going to be positioned to play in that you know that box defender, go get the ball type of player that he's really good at, and that we saw him be in Cincinnati during his rookie season and his breakout game. So it's kind of now or never for him as well. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, I feel like they're not. Good. I th- I feel like they're going to try to move him around the field a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't think he's going to truly ever play a safety position on this team, just because I don't think he can do it. But I I feel like he's got a nose for tackling, and yep. he could be he could be useful, just not at the position they drafted him for. <laughs> so what else is new with the Packers? Uh, so well, that is it. That is our list of players for different categories. I'm not going to run through them all again. You can find it on Twitter. Um, Paul, how do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-E-L, and you can find my writing at Dairyland Express. All right, great. So he, Paul has his uh, list posted f- to Twitter. You did that, what, about a, about a week ago, is it, or – yeah, a little less, probably three, four days. So, um, and and feel free to tweet uh, the podcast at Packaday Podcast who your positions are: most overrated, underrated, best player, key, um, key new additions, could surprise, takes a leap, and prove it. Your player, feel free to tweet those at us at Packaday Podcast. That is all the time we have for today, guys. Uh, Paul and Maggie and I will be with you again two weeks from now. The the gang will be fully back together, marriages and everything um and it'll be a great time we're looking to have we're looking forward to having maggie back on the program with us uh and you can follow me on twitter at sports committee although i don't do a whole lot of tweeting i'm not i'm not up with the twitter verse sphere thing um so not really my thing but from time to time uh you know i I, i'm a little active on there but make sure you follow like and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on we really appreciate it thanks again for listening to the pack a day podcast and as always go pack go sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Here's the snap. Rushes on. Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack. And Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30. Snap to Kaiser under pressure. Immediately dumps it up right side. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15 to the 10. He's to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my 
Khalil Max had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lost it. Deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. What a throw and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Gerard. Corey Lindsley on the snap, four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks, lost, left side, got a man out there. Good. to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws the left, got Devontae inside the 10, head back, cut left to the 5, reaches, pylon, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod. Rushes on, has time. Looking close, Mills got it The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.